1: From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com He hits one deep to left field. You bet. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer! This is Sports Open Line on KMOX
2: a good friday evening to you welcome into the program a full two hour actually a two plus hour edition of sports open line tonight we're going to uh bleed over into the eight o'clock hour for just a few minutes uh leading into coverage of cardinals baseball tonight First pitch is scheduled for 910. Uh, so that means coverage begins at 815. So we may have a few minutes after the eight o'clock news that we'll uh, talk some Cardinals baseball. Uh, but yeah, a big program. Lots going on tonight, as always. If you want to join in, you can do so by calling or texting 314 436 7900. That's 314 436 7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet into the program. At Matt Pauley on air, M A T T P A U L E Y on air. We're gonna have a late night. Gonna be a late night of baseball, late game for uh, the Cardinals playing at nine ten. Producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski. All right, so we got out of here. The the Cardinals and Padres played. What were those eight forty five games? Is what is that? What time those started on Tuesday? I think okay, eight forty on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, I think we got out of here right around twelve thirty or so. Then Wednesday, we got out of here a little bit closer to 1 o'clock. We had a lot of phone calls on the program. God bless people who are calling in at, at 1245 in the morning. We love you. Uh, what What's our over-under for time that we're going to get out of here tonight? One, I, 130. 130. You're yeah. putting it at 130. Yeah. Are you taking the over, or the you know, before, after, over, before. under? So you think we'll be... And I'm praying for the, the before. So when you say... Uh, out of here, are you saying off the air or in your car driving? Me walking out the door. Okay, one we We'll see. And you generally, I think you're probably five, ten minutes behind me. I get out of here, and then you're probably just a few minutes yeah. after that. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how late we're up. And uh, we'll, we'll have those phone lines open for you after the game. We'll see how the Cardinals are able to do. I'm interested in this series. I'm really interested in this series because I think that... This is a – I think it's a more even matchup than the Padres series, the reason being the Padres are in fight-scratch-claw mode. We've talked about this, where they're, they're just doing whatever they need to do to stay in a playoff spot. The Dodgers have already wrapped up uh, their playoff position, and while the Cardinals have not yet mathematically wrapped things up, they essentially have. And if you look, the Dodgers, they just got done with a series against the Diamondbacks. Um, it was a five-game series against a not-very-good Diamondbacks team. They ended up winning three out of five in that series, but they could have easily lost three out of five. So it doesn't feel like they're quite the same powerful Dodgers. They'll go into that kind of lull that you go into late in the season when you've got everything wrapped up before they'll lock it back in going into the postseason. And you would hope the Cardinals will be able to uh, lock it back in going into the uh, postseason as well. Here's what we've got coming up on the program. I'll tell you, it's, it's a little fluid. It's a little fluid in what's going on uh, in the program today. We've got some guests that we have commitments for them to appear, but we don't have the time settled in. So we are going to have some version of this group of people At sometimes, you know, they tell you in radio. Set appointments. That's what they say. Set appointments. You're you're talking to the listeners, and you're saying, "We got so and so on at six twenty-two. So you know, you know, at six twenty-two, you got to be locked in to hear so and so. We can't set appointments tonight." We are unable to set appointments outside of. In about eight minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, Max Goodman. Max uh, covers the Yankees for Sports Illustrated. A lot of stuff going on with the Yankees right now. The Aaron Judge stuff. Uh, Talk to him a little bit about Harrison Bader as he's come on. So we can tell you that Max Goodman is going to be on. I learned that I hope it's okay if I say this on the air. He said this to me um, when we were talking a little while ago. His significant other lives in St. Louis she is a uh, she is a student, I believe, a graduate student at uh, Saint Louis University. So Max Goodman uh, has uh, has connections to uh, Saint Louis, so we can tell you that Max Goodman is going to join the program in just a few minutes. Outside of that. Um We're going to have Jeff Jackson on probably later on this hour, commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference. I got the chance to uh, chat with him earlier this week. The Missouri Valley held their uh, hoops tip-off event, uh, their media day for men's basketball. So uh, we... uh Yeah, we've got uh, a conversation with him. That's going to be coming up uh, later on in the second hour. We're going to be joined by uh, Katie Shields. She is the uh, head coach of the St. Louis University women's soccer team. If you did not know SLU women's soccer, they are a consensus a consensus top 10 team in the country. They got a really exciting win uh, last night. They play again coming up on Sunday. In fact, uh, coaches is going to join us from Pittsburgh as they get ready to match up against Duquesne. But that's a great story. So many great soccer stories right now uh, in our community, and it's such a great soccer community. But the SLU women's soccer team, they are rolling. They were not ranked in the preseason here about, you know, about the midway point of the year. Uh, they are a consensus top 10 team, which is really cool. So uh, their coach is going to uh, join us. We'll also talk with uh, Mike D. Giovanna. He covers the Dodgers for the Los Angeles Times. Uh, we'll preview this series with him. We will also discuss Albert Pujols, and Albert Pujols is speaking with the media probably right now or in the next 10 minutes or so. He is going to be uh, meeting with the media. Actually, I got a text message. I can tell you the exact time that uh, he is scheduled to uh, meet with the media Pacific time, so in 15 minutes. So uh, Albert's going to be talking to the Los Angeles media. Of course, he spent so much time with the Angels, and then he finished out last year with the Dodgers. And uh, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say, as there's a good chance that he's going to hit 700 against the Dodgers. To see if two home runs in him during this series? For sure, the Cardinals are going to face off against a lefty tonight and then a lefty tomorrow. Tonight, uh, they're taking on Andrew Heaney. And then tomorrow, it's going to be Clayton Kershaw. The Dodgers have yet to announce their starter officially for Sunday, but it is likely to be a left-hander as well if everything kind of... S- presents itself the way that you thought it was going to. So yeah, a lot going on, a lot going on. And we are with you till eight o'clock this evening. Again, 314- 436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. When we return, Max Goodman is set to join us. He covers the Yankees for Sports Illustrated. We'll find out about Aaron Judge. We'll find out about Harrison Bader. We'll do that next. Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Midella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.
2: Overline continuing here on a Friday night, a full two-hour edition of the program. My name is Matt Pauley, 314-436-7900. If you ever want to chime in on anything we're talking about, especially from a text perspective, you can also always tweet me at Matt pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. There's a lot of similarities right now uh, between the Cardinals and the Yankees. Uh, both are good teams. Both are headed to the postseason. Both teams have... Uh, superstar-caliber players hitting milestones. Now Aaron Judge, obviously, is a little younger and more in his prime than Albert Pujols, but uh, Judge going for the Maris record, the American League home run record. Uh, Pujols going for 700 home runs. And oh yeah, by the way, Cardinals and Yankees pulled off a trade at the deadline that is impacting both teams. For the Cardinals, they got Jordan Montgomery. He's been spectacular for the Yankees. Harrison Bader finally onto the field, and he's done a really nice job, and they needed that uh, good center field defense. That was something that they were missing, and now they have it, and that could even help Aaron Judge more on that uh, in a moment as we do welcome uh, Max Goodman on to the program. Max covers the Yankees for Sports Illustrated. You can follow him at Goodman. Goodman, Max, thanks so much for uh, taking some time. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah, let me start with this. So we're kind of dealing with this right now with Albert Poulos and his quest for 700. Like, it's so much fun just to be at the ballpark every day and to watch these historic things happen. As you have watched Aaron Judge go after this American League record, what has it been like just knowing that on an an everyday basis you may see something that is rather historical?
3: It's truly hard to describe, honestly. I mean, it, putting it into words the the atmosphere and the environment that we've been a part of here during this homestand these last couple of days, seeing him get to 60 and hearing the roar of everyone rise to their feet as soon as judges announce stepping up to the plate and then the hush with each passing pitch as the crowd gets ready and and you know they're they're trying to will history to happen, and they hope that they get to witness it. And then the the murmurs between pitches, the the groans when he hits a double or or when he strikes out. It's it's truly hard to describe. Like I said, and I can imagine that's what you all are dealing with in in St. Louis as well. But for him to be this close to now tying Roger Maris, and I think that he'll he'll do that and he'll get past it uh, and and then some. Uh, it's it's truly remarkable.
2: One of the things as I've watched hulse that's really jumped out to me is just. You mentioned these guys come to the plate and everybody stands up and you can just feel the pressure, yet Judge just keeps on hitting home runs. Pulos keeps hitting home runs. I am amazed at their ability to just handle pressure. And for Pulos, it's one thing. He's been around forever. Judge is a a young player, but he's a relatively uh, young player going through this. And, And here he is hitting home runs seemingly on an everyday basis with all this pressure around him.
3: Absolutely. The other day Yankees manager Aaron Boone was asked how he thinks judge has been handling this, the entire full body of this experience and how much pressure he's been under. And Boone said quite simply that he's handling it perfectly. And you've seen a player that's gone from right field to center field, filling in at an even more premium position and playing elite defense. He's been the face of a franchise, arguably the face of of all of major league baseball this year. And he's developed into that player over the last several and even beyond the home runs, obviously sixty and and one hundred and twenty eight RBI or, or whatever it is that he has when when you out there hear this interview, he's doing a lot more than just the power. I mean, he's blowing the rest of the league away in so many different offensive categories, really carrying this Yankees team because they've been slumping throughout the second half and they're still now in a position to win the division. You talk about a most valuable player, something that you know Cardinals fans are very familiar with with the. the prime time, peak holes years. That's what we're seeing with Judge, and it's hard to really quantify just how valuable he's been in every sense of the word.
2: The other thing Cardinals fans are pretty familiar with, going back uh, to, to the McGuire chase, is chasing a Roger Maris record. So I think people in this community, we know the history in New York of Maris and how fans felt about him and everything. So here we are all these years later. Are Yankees fans Really, do, do 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 they want Judge to get this record and go past it?
3: I think they do. I mean, he's meant so much to this franchise since he really exploded on the scene in in 2017 and blossomed into basically the closest thing that we've seen to a to a captain like future Hall of Famer like player since Derek Jeter was around, and I think that the, the fan base has rallied around him. And we haven't even mentioned the fact yet that he bet on himself, turning down a a contract. He's in a contract year, and he's gone and put up these historic numbers, probably going to win an MVP, might win a triple crown. And he's doing all of that after betting on himself, and he goes into free agency, and we'll see what happens. But the the fan base here wants him back. They've got the vast majority of the the crowd on a nightly basis is wearing 99 jerseys. I mean, it's truly um, the face of the franchise, as I said earlier.
2: There's no way the Yankees let him walk, right?
3: I don't know. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's going to take a lot to uh, to keep him around financially, and you know he has the connection to San Francisco because he grew up in Northern California, big Giants fan growing up. There's always the chance that the Mets or the Red Sox or one of those big market teams, the Dodgers, could just back up the Brinks truck and 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 give him a huge contract. But you know Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner's got to pony up to the the value that judge has demonstrated and as much as he's now on the other side of 30. So you got to consider if you're giving him an eight year deal or whatever it ends up being, whatever he asks for, because this is his last big contract year of his career. Do you want to pay him 30, $40 million <laughs> and he ends up being 37, 38 by the end of the contract. He does have the injury concerns in the past. There's an argument to be made for both sides. Like, like any sort of conversation in sports. But it's definitely hard to see him leaving after what he's done, especially if they go on a deep postseason run, too. Imagine they win a World Series, and then you got to keep him around, right? It's it's hard to see him not resigning. I'll say that.
2: Yeah, and look, I get that the Yankees have tried to rein in spending a little bit compared to what they used to do, but they're still the Yankees. They still spend lots of money, and it's not my money, so it's really easy for me to say this. This just seems like one of those situations where – reigning your spending, you know, be damned, you do whatever you do to keep this guy in New York and with the Yankees, right?
3: Sure. And, and again, in terms of value, we're talking about a most valuable player. How much is Judge even worth? I mean, he's got to be up there with the type of contracts in terms of his position, like a Mookie Betts deal, or yeah. a Mike Trout deal, a Bryce Harper deal, and perhaps even more than that, at least in terms of what he did this year and the peak of his career over the next few but again, that question is, do you really want to pay him until he's inching closer to 40 later on? You don't know how healthy he'll be. You don't know if he can continue with this success that he has in 2022 and turn it into MVP years and, and sustain success like Pujols did in, in St. Louis. Look what happened when he went to, to Anaheim. So it's, uh, it's a big decision to make, a franchise-altering decision to make, because if they don't re-sign him, that frees up, in theory, quite a bit of money to make other moves. But I really just I, – I still can't see it until we start to hear some rumors this offseason.
2: Max Goodman covers the Yankees for Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. Let's switch gears and talk about Harrison Bader, a fan favorite here in St. Louis. I, I felt bad for him recently because – he was injured when the trade happened, so it's it wasn't his fault that it took him a little while for him to make his Yankees debut. But while Yankees fans were waiting to see him in the lineup, Jordan Montgomery, the guy he was trading for, has just absolutely been brilliant uh, for the Cardinals, and that kind of put even more pressure on Bader. He's finally playing, and he's playing pretty well.
3: Absolutely. The whole Montgomery aspect of that trade makes it even more uh you know, pertinent to, to what the Yankees are, are dealing with right now because they've got Frankie Montas, their big trade deadline acquisition on the injured list. He wasn't performing right after the deadline. They've had other injuries in their staff, some other inconsistencies and in guys underperforming besides, you know, Nestor Cortez having his breakout year. So <laughs> throughout the time that every five days Montgomery was, was shoving and, and dealing in, in a new uniform for the first time because he was homegrown. He was drafted by the Yankees, worked his way up and had been so consistent for them over the years, it it stung, I think for this fan base. And they really weren't sure why that deal was made. But now that Bader's activated and healthy and, and playing well, you're starting to see why that deal was made because he's playing elite defense already. He's hitting, he's a spark on the base path. And from what I've seen being in the clubhouse and, and watching him between the lines, he's really fit in. Well, I mean, he's a Bronxville native. So he's a, a local kid in a sense. He's got the, Statue of Liberty colored glove out in center field. And they haven't had a center fielder like him in, in years, uh, running down balls, making it look easy. Uh, I think that the Yankees may have lost the trade immediately because, you know, by default, Bader wasn't playing. But in the postseason, you may see the Yankees really win that deal in the long term, as well as next year, because he'll probably be the, the starting center fielder for this team. He really does fill a need for them and maybe they can move on from Montgomery.
2: Yeah, that was going to be my next thing because the Cardinals do miss his outfield defense. The Cardinals brought up a guy named Ben Deluzio who doesn't hit much, and he's just there to provide outfield defense. You wouldn't have to have him up if if Bader was still around. Now Cardinals fans are very happy with what Montgomery's doing, and starting pitching was such a need for the Cardinals, and they've really stabilized since then. But the, the defensive aspect of what he does, how important is that for the Yankees, the way the roster is currently constructed?
3: It's pivotal. And as much as Judge has played tremendous defense in center field, he's been there primarily this year. In terms of him staying healthy and him being able to produce offensively, it's a lot easier for him night to night to be in right. And Yankee Stadium in right, easy isn't the right word, but it's less ground to cover. It's where he's been his whole career. It maybe will make him produce even better than he has been. Um, But in terms of who else they have that could play center, Aaron Hicks is having a very down year. It's hard to envision him sticking around moving forward as much as he's got some money tied down on his deal. They moved on from Joey Gallo because that didn't work. And they've got some young guys, possibly, but really, like I said earlier, they haven't seen a center fielder in pinstripes like Bader in a very long time. Maybe like a Brett Gardner earlier in his career. You could go back to, to maybe Bernie Williams. And even then, do they play just such elite? best-in-the-league type defense, and I don't know if they do. And as much as Bader hasn't been really tested yet in his first three games, got the night off tonight, three games in a row after plantar fasciitis, you want to make sure he stays healthy. He hasn't been tested, but he's running the ball down so quickly with such great jumps and efficiency. uh, It it backs up the reputation that he has and the metrics that he has that, of course, you all are so used to seeing when he was in the – in the Cardinals system, working his way up, that's that's what Yankees fans are starting to see now, and they're realizing, oh, okay, this is why we went out and traded for this guy to be our center fielder of the future.
2: He is Max Goodman. Follow him on Twitter at Max T. Goodman, covers the Yankees for Sports Illustrated. Uh, Max, thanks so much for the time. This was great, and uh, hopefully we can chat again maybe as uh, we head closer into the postseason.
3: Oh, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great night.
2: There's Max Goodman joining us here on the program. We appreciate him taking uh, a few moments as Aaron Judge is trying to make some history. Albert Poulos is trying to make history. History potentially being made all over the place. Uh, and so it's funny. Like We talked about this last night on Sports Open Line. I don't want to really pull that Band-Aid off again. But it is. it's kind of funny that tonight's Yankees game is on Apple TV and tonight's Cardinals game is on Apple TV. But... It would take, obviously, a two-home-run night from uh, Pools for him to get to 700 this evening. And as always, you can hear Cardinals games right here. Dan McLaughlin will be part of the broadcast uh, tonight, as he has been uh, recently when uh, the team is on national TV. And McLaughlin also will be part of uh, playoff coverage. Once uh, there's no more local TV, uh, McLaughlin will uh, be part of the uh, radio network, which is uh, really, really cool. It's been a lot of fun listening to him. Join the guys. All right, we are going to uh, uh, switch gears. We'll talk some college basketball, college athletics overall. Jeff Jackson, commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference. I got the chance to talk with him earlier this week at the uh, Missouri Valley tip-off event, and uh, we'll play that conversation. That's coming up next at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing
1: it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. This is Sports Open Live on Ox
2: We do continue here on a Friday night. We've got a full two-hour program taking you until 8 o'clock and even beyond leading you right into Cardinals baseball. Cardinals opening up a weekend series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Game one tonight, Jose Quintana going for the Cardinals. Andrew Heaney going for the Dodgers. It is a battle of left-handers. A 9-10 first pitch, that means network pregame, will begin at 8-15. But basically, you've got no reason to go anywhere between now and maybe 1, who knows, maybe 2 o'clock in the morning. We'll see. It could be a late night here uh, at KMOX. Earlier this week, the Missouri Valley Conference uh, conducted their annual uh, men's basketball tip-off event at the Missouri Athletic Club. Earlier in the week, um, I got the chance to, uh, we talked with uh, the head coach of uh, the Missouri State men's basketball team, uh, Dana Ford. If you ever miss any of our interviews, you can always uh, go to camoXcom and find the Sports Open Line podcast. You can go to the Odyssey app, which is always there for you. Whether you want to uh, get something on demand or just listen to the show live, uh, that is good for you. But yeah, earlier in the week, we heard from uh, Coach Dana Ford from uh, Missouri State. Uh, also conducted an interview uh, earlier this week with the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, Jeff Jackson. And it's been kind of a weird time for college athletics over the last couple of years. This is the first academic year coming out of COVID where stuff is starting to feel normal. Even this time last year, there were more restrictions. And not that everything is completely normal right now, but we're a lot closer to it than we've been uh, for uh, quite some time. And the first thing we talked about was just the excitement of being able to hold Media Day, something that they've not been able to do uh, in recent years, and just kind of all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with uh, what feels like the beginning to the Valley men's basketball season.
4: Well, it's great, especially when you consider that last year we weren't able to do these things. I think having the opportunity to have our men basketball players here in St. Louis this week, and then last week having our women basketball players in the Quad Cities, you know, you're right. It's a kickoff, and it's a chance for us to promote, talk, do some community service, and it's an, outgrand- it's an outstanding group of student-athletes, and anything we can do to enhance their experience, we want to make sure we're doing those things.
2: You're still relatively new on the job. You mentioned COVID. I mean, it's this feels like stuff is finally getting back to normal. Are you almost kind of feeling like, okay, I can really start doing my job now?
4: I think we were doing our job the minute that we jumped on, but I think the fact that we can now be a little bit more overt, we can be out in the open air and participating, having the type of interview that we're having right now, which we probably couldn't do 14 months ago, obviously it makes things a little bit easier, and I also think it enhances the experience for all those involved.
2: Okay, realignment, the non-Power 5 conferences – aren't supposed to get better. Your league arguably gets better. What does that say about this league?
4: Well, I think it says that we have a tremendous, uh, strong, tremendously strong group of CEOs. I, I think our presidents and chancellors did an outstanding job during this process. I think they were proactive. I think they understood what the market and what the environment was going to be maybe a little bit earlier than others. And, and you're right. We were fortunate. We were able to add three institutions who were really add to the worth, the value, and enhance the, the presence of the Missouri Valley Conference.
2: When you go through that process and you're evaluating schools, a UIC, you, they, they, not to take anything away from what they do basketball-wise, but they bring the city of Chicago, which is really important to this league. And then you look at the other two programs that bring in both championship programs. What's it like for you, the university presidents, going through that evaluation process of the unique things that schools can bring to the league?
4: Well, you know, you have a lot of conversations. You, you, you know, We hired an outside group to do some metrics for us in terms of making sure we were understanding you know, what was taking place in the social media space, what was taking place from an attendance, how were things being looked at in our multimedia rights space or our broadcasting space. And you take all that information and you try and chop it down. You, have to, you try to have some pragmatic conversations about what can really enhance your product. And, and again, I, I think our CEOs did a tremendous job, and we landed on, I, I think, what most people would agree to be the positive side
2: of the ledger. The other big change right now in college athletics is name, image, likeness. What have you seen from your member institutions as they go into those murky waters?
4: Well, I think our schools have embraced it. I I think our schools understand the importance of doing everything we can to enhance our student-athletes' experience. And I think the fact, may be long overdue, that our student-athletes can take advantage of who they are in an organic fashion is something that's positive. I think the experiences that they're going to have, what they're going to learn, what they're going to understand, if the collegiate space is about supposed to be about education, this is just another part of that, and I'm, I'm excited about it, and I'm excited what our schools and our student-athletes are doing.
2: Your member institutions, for the most part, are schools that have fan bases that really embrace basketball. There are athletic departments that invest in facilities, things like that. That doesn't happen everywhere. There are some leagues out there that don't have the type of schools that you have. How proud does that make you make? Well,
4: I think what you're talking about is what makes the Missouri Valley special, the fact that we have such, uh, maybe the word is intimacy between our institutions and in the environments that they reside that there is a legacy there is an importance especially to the sport of basketball and we don't run from that i also think it's why as you were talking about earlier in the realignment that we're such an attractive port of call for some institutions because they know what the valley is you know we're here in st louis where we've had our tournament for the last 30 years we just did a tour of the enterprise center with our new athletic directors there's not many conferences that have this type of environment, this type of facility that surrounds and it gives their student-athletes to experience this during their championship season.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. I've been to conference tournaments where there's just not a lot of excitement, not a lot of people there. They're just putting them in some city to say, hey, we're in this city. That's not the case with this at all.
4: Yeah, we're extremely fortunate, and you know, a lot of the credit has to go to people who definitely were here prior to my tenure in the Missouri Valley Conference, but we're going to do what we can to work off of that and continue to grow the product. Thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure.
2: There's Jeff Jackson. We talked to him earlier in the week at the Missouri Athletic Club uh, during the Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball tip-off event. It's going to be college basketball season before you know it. And uh, teams get official practices uh, getting underway next week. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, what can happen. And, again, what I alluded to there, and I I, I think it's really worth spending some time on for a moment the way conference realignment works in college athletics is it all starts with one power five program taking schools from another power five program. So the SEC decides that they're going to go grab Texas and Oklahoma. And then all of a sudden, what does the big 12 do? They got to get some schools. So they go to the American athletic conference and uh, they go grab a Houston and they grab a Central Florida and they get an independent and BYU, but then you're the American Athletic Conference and so what do you have to do? You got to find some schools. So you look to leagues like the MAC and like it's just a, it's a trickle-down process where because some already big league that's a powerful force takes schools while everybody else kind of tries to just make up some version of that. What happened with the Missouri Valley was... And this is not a, a diss at, at, at Loyola. They're obviously a great program and have played really well and have, have been, in, from a national standpoint, have made some incredible runs here recently, and, and that gave them the opportunity to move on. But what the league did is it brought in two championship-caliber programs in Belmont and Murray State, who we have both, we've, we've seen both those schools have a lot of success and be in the tournament, and then the other school they brought in was they they lost the Chicago market with Loyola, so they got UIC. I'm not trying to be dismissive of UIC; they're they're fine, they're they're okay. They're, they'll compete in the league, but UIC's biggest selling point was the fact that they're located in the city of Chicago, and that's important. Like when you're when you're out there selling your TV package and you're doing corporate advertising and you want to get people to buy into the league, it really helps to have. Uh, eyes in Chicago watching. You want big markets. So you lose Loyola, you go get UIC. So they kind of, it was a sort of a two-pronged thing. They lost a really good basketball program. They made up for it with two really good basketball programs. They lost the city of Chicago. They lost the Chicago market. They make up for that by going and getting a Chicago school to join the league as well. And Mainly from a basketball-only standpoint, not from a market standpoint, the addition of Belmont, the addition of Murray State makes the league better, makes the league deeper, makes the league better, and that just, it's not supposed to happen. When you lose schools, you're not supposed to replace them with something that makes the league overall better, and I think that's what the Valley did do. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can tweet at me as well. Taking you to 8 o'clock tonight, it is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
1: News Radio KMOX,
2: the home of the Cardinals. does continue starting to wrap up our number one of the program game you set for cardinals baseball tonight the cardinals opening up a series against the dodgers who knows maybe we'll see these two teams matched. up. maybe this is your nlcs dodgers and cardinals i'd have to look and make sure that that's possible with the uh with the bracket the way it is uh, with the Dodgers being the overall number one seed going into uh, the postseason in the National League, and the Cardinals likely to be the three seed, uh, if we're talking about it and that way, we could talk about seeds now because in the past you didn't have teams getting buys. You now have a buy for two teams in the baseball playoffs. I don't know if I like that. By the way, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I get it, but that would I've said this before in many ways. There's some value as long as you win. <laughs> as long as you win, there's some value in playing that best of three series and not being forced to basically go five days without playing a baseball game. Like that, that would scare me. I would almost be more scared by four or five days without playing a game than I'd be scared by a best-of-three-game series, which bluntly is totally illogical on my part because baseball is such a random game. Like every single game, one of 162, every game is a somewhat random event, and it's once you start stringing together series and start stringing together weeks and months that you really – make yourself who you are. That's why I wasn't worried too much about the team having their offensive downturn here over the last few days. It wasn't great. I'm not going to tell you it was fine that they weren't scoring runs, but I'll also tell you that it wasn't the end of the world. They didn't score. The their, The bats went quiet. It happens. And it happened within two weeks of the postseason. So, you know, freakout mode ensued across much of the Cardinals fan base. A little jarring not seeing them score any runs. And you automatically go to like this worst case scenario thing of okay, they're, see they're not scoring runs. It's gonna be a short. I, I literally saw tweets. I was talking about this today uh, when I was on with um, Kevin, Kevin and Amy on uh, the show. I, I was I literally saw tweets from people saying okay, it's gonna be another short postseason run. They play 162 games and a three game stretch. Makes you feel like that the season's just going to end because of it. Like we, at, at times, you need to take a step back and say, okay, suboptimal that you're not scoring runs, but at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't even matter. And here, let me let me spin this for you. I I'm, I can spin things. Here's your here's the blessing in disguise of them not scoring runs. If nothing else it gave all the hitters the opportunity to really go to work and lock in and focus on some things and take a long look at their swings and put in some extra time in the cage and things like that. You know what? That's that's actually something that's probably not the worst thing in the world to have happen Within a couple weeks of the postseason getting underway, we got a lot coming up in hour number two. We'll talk more Cardinals baseball. We'll talk blues hockey. We'll hear from Craig Bay Ruby. He spoke with the media earlier today. Much, much more. Some slew women's soccer talk. It's all coming up on KMOX.